they're doing. Proverbs, the book of Proverbs. Chapter 30. Now, I preached this years ago, several ways. I originally meant this to be a missions message, and it still can be. But it was unlike any missionary message I ever heard in my life. And see if you can compare this with any missionary message that you ever heard. Proverbs 30, we're going to use creature teachers. Proverbs 30. I hate to break in like this, but this just to get what I'm after. Verse 15. The horse leech hath two daughters, crying, give, give. And there are three things that are never satisfied, yea, four things, say not it is enough. And then he goes on to some other things, the grave. They haven't quit digging graves, have they? And the barren womb, women still want to have babies. The earth that is not filled with water, doesn't take it long to dry out. And the fire that saith not, it is enough. The fire will keep on burning as long as it can get some fuel. But I'm going to go back now down the, the line here. Verse 24, to continue my creature teachers. There be four things which are little upon the earth, but they are exceeding wise. The ants are a people not strong, yet they prepare their meat or food in the summer. The conies are but a feeble folk, yet Make they their houses in the rocks. The locusts have no king, yet go they forth, all of them by bands. And the spider taketh hold with her hands, and is in king's palaces. Now those are my creature teachers. There are things that you must have in order to accomplish mission work, or the work that God assigned his kind of churches to do. And I, these, these creatures teach us how to go about it. And we're going to try to see that. Fulfilling the Great Commission and understanding it is necessary to be done. That's what we're here as a church for. We're not here to satisfy the preacher. We're not here to make the preacher rich. Certainly we've never thought that, but somehow. We're not here to just satisfy our own needs. We're here to worship God in the spirit and the truth and to fulfill what he has ordained for us to do in our lives after we are a child of God. Amen. Now, there are all kinds of seminars 
that can tell you how to accomplish this and how to be successful. But there's nothing like the Word of God. And that's what we want to stick with. And it would humble you to realize that these creatures can teach us. Now, I will admit, I'm not wild about ants, nor horse leeches, nor locusts, nor spiders. How many love spiders? How many love locusts? How many love ants? How many love blood-sucking parasites? Now, conies are a rabbit-like creature. I don't know that I've ever seen one. I've read about them. They'd be a small, furry, gentle-type animal that lives up in the rocks because he's got no protection or they've got no protection otherwise. That's the only way they can get away from getting killed. So anyway, I'm not, I'm not against conies. I'm not even against these. I just don't want them on me. I don't want them in my house and don't want them on me. Amen? But they are God's creatures. God created everything that is in the heavens above, the earth beneath, and the waters. God created everything that flies above the earth. God created everything that is. And I tell you, the more I see about creation, the more I see, we saw that uh, DVD the other day about, about these creatures, um, uh, uh, just amazing creatures that, that defy, that teach against evolution. How in the world could these people, could these creatures evolve all this stuff? They couldn't evolve it. Nothing can evolve. God created them during the creation week, the first six days of the first week, and incidentally, God created the week. Amen. There's no other basis for a seven-day week than Genesis, the first three chapters. There's no other basis, but we've got to have it. Do you know some time ago, you know the French, they... They turned against God a long time ago. Voltaire and all that bunch, they went, they went atheists a long time ago. Not all of them, but most of them did, and the country did. I'm not sure of the dates, but back, I think, in the, in the 1800s or early 19s, they thought they would do away with the seven-day week. They, they began a ten-day week. They had so many people blowing their minds, losing their minds, they had to go back to a seven-day week. That's the only thing that will work. That's what God created. He got six days as ours and one as his. Now, we don't generally give. i tell you what, I see more grass mowing out here around on Sunday than I do on Monday. And I see them putting up hay. I see them doing everything. Used to not, when I first came out here, used to not be that way. They wouldn't do it. If they weren't even church members, they had a respect for the, the Lord's Day, Sunday. Not anymore. Nobody has that respect. Oh, this is my day. No, it's not. It's the Lord's Day. It belongs to Him. Anyway, I'm, I digress, as they say. Let's go ahead. My first point, as we consider 
these creatures that can teach us, we consider hindrances to missions and generally to the work of the Lord in the Lord's churches. This is taught by the horse leech. The horse leech hath two daughters, crying, give, give. Now, you probably won't remember this, but the technical name for a horse leech is this. Hymopsis sanguisorba. Did you get that? Hymopsis sanguisorba. Blood-sucking parasite. Uh, that came from the New Century Dictionary. And that's what a horse leech is. Now there is a little controversy on it. Mainly because there's not many people that's actually studied it. They just go off what somebody else said about it. Here's what the horse leech is. If you've ever raised horses. Been around horses much. You know, sometimes horses don't have anything to drink but stagnant trough water because their keepers are lazy and don't keep them fresh water. Well, you get that stagnant water. It really isn't even stagnant water that's in it. One time we went to a class at the Creation Museum. We used to go to a bunch of them. And Dr. Minton was giving it and was using microscopes. And he had, you know, there's a pond up there, or a little lake, and he had a drop of water out of that pond that you see up there at the Creation Museum. And he put it on the, the glass, what do you call them, the Slide. slides. One drop of that water. And he magnified, it had an electronic uh, magnifying, you know, microscope, and had it up on the screen. You thought you was looking at a big, scary movie. I couldn't believe everything that was in that drop of water. One drop. I mean, you got monsters fighting each other. You couldn't believe it, what that one drop of water contained. When you let that, you let that go, and when you see the scum... On these ponds, you know, they try to put bluestone on it and all that and get rid of it. Uh, of course, that's, a, that's where we came from. Pond scum. That's what the intelligentsia say. The teacher kids, that's what they say. We came from pond scum. Anyway, you let that water get stagnant and all that. They don't want to tell them what's in that stuff. And when a horse drinks that old water, and they'll drink any water they can get to. They're not very choosy about it. These blood-sucking parasites called horse leeches will attack, uh, attach themselves on the inside of that horse's mouth. You know the big lips? You're, you know, you got big lips you can you ever put a horse switch on? Them lips come out a lot. I mean, they're big lips there. But on the inside of them, these horse leeches will attach themselves, and that's what they are, blood-sucking parasites. Well, you can tell it when they've got them. Here's what happens. They can't eat with them. Could you eat with a bunch of blood-sucking parasites on the inside of your mouth? They can't eat. 
They can't even drink water. They lose blood, therefore they lose energy. They can't whinny anymore. And ultimately, they dehydrate, starve, and die. And so what's that have to do with the church? Years ago when I first came here, I preached on the horse leech. And I said to the Lord, Lord, why do I have to have this? Why do I have to preach this message? Ain't nobody else preaching it. And here's my message. There's a horse leech in the church. <laughs> Six months after that, I'm having people, was you talking to me? Well, I didn't know it, but now I guess I was. Now that you revealed it, because what when you got a pack of dogs out there on the street and you pick up a brick bat and throw it up in the air, who squalls? One that got hit. <laughs> so anytime you ask me if I was preaching to you, the answer is already yes, because <laughs> I know what the, anyway. What in the world does that have to do with the church? Well, uh when you got people fighting the Lord, fighting the truth, and if the pastor's preaching the truth, you're fighting both of them. The church can't do much, if anything. Well, we depend on eating, don't we? I mean, the church does. I mean, the, the food of God, the Word of God, well, that's what happens. And then you can't take in the water of life. Losing energy. Don't want to do anything. Have no desire to preach when he preached the gospel. Which that's what God told us to do. And then ultimately... That can kill a church, starve it, and, and dehydrate it, and it'll die. Well, the horse leech, the blood-sucking parasite, you remember that word now, hymopsis sanguisorba. All right. The horse leech hath two daughters. Like begets like. Now, you know, I know that I didn't come from a monkey. You may not like how I look. I may not like how I look. But I know I didn't come from a monkey. Because I remember what my mother and daddy looked like. And I saw what their mothers and daddies looked like. I didn't know them all from pictures. And I, I knew my mother's dad. I didn't know the other ones. But I don't know what they look like. I even know what some of the grandparents look like. I got a picture in my uh, on my wall. I got on my daddy's side. Got grand grand great grandfather and great grandmother. So I, and I know what what I know my my grandfather and grandmother on my mother's side. I got a picture of them somewhere in a buggy. You've seen that picture. Anyway, I know what they look like. And they didn't look like a monkey. 
You know, if I was a violent man, somebody tell me that my mother and daddy were monkeys, I'd probably slap them. Like begets like. Do you know when you see a sheep out in the field, you don't have to wonder what its parents look like. Basically look like that sheep. Like begets like. You see a sound Baptist church, you don't have to wonder how it got there. Like begets like. An unsound church didn't develop into a sound church. Anyway, so like begets like. Parasites beget others like them. These parasites that get into churches, fussing and fighting about everything. I'll tell you what, I had them out here saying, Oh, well, you reach a saturation point. How do I actually bring that up? We reach a saturation point. A saturation point of what? God said, do what we can do. Amen. He didn't say we reach a saturation point and quit. That sounded like a blood-sucking parasite to me. Uh, some churches are full of parasites. I say, be careful how you build your church. Amen. Yeah. You know, soul winners are wise if they win souls wisely. Amen. Don't just say they're wise. They are wise if they win souls wisely. Churches need to avoid wrong methods, wrong invitations, wrong attractions. They need to stay away from all that and stick with what God says. Else, they're bringing down a sound work into an unsound work. We need to practice and recognize scriptural discipline. Now, I could say more about that, but I'm going to go on my next point. We first considered hindrances to missions. And those all, those all are violent hindrances to missions and the work of the Lord. Nextly, Provision, providing for missions and for the work of the Lord. This is taught by the ants. Look at verse 25 now. The ants are a people not strong, yet they prepare their meat in the summer, their food in the summer. Ants are realists. We must be realists. Oh, if something ever happens to me. Oh, get off of it. Get off of it. What do you mean if something ever happens to me? It's not if. It's when. I'm already, I'm, you know the Bible says, three score and ten, and if it be by reason of strength, Four score. You know I'll finish up four score next year. I got one more year till I've run the route. I don't know how much longer I've got. You don't either. But I, but I can't say if something ever happens to me, it's when something's going to happen to me. I hope, you know, if I had my druthers, I'd lay down one night and go to sleep and never wake up. Some people never have that blessing. 
Some people go through a lot of pain and agony before they ever croak. I don't really want to do that. If it comes, I'll have to accept it. But I'm not going to cry and say, Why me, Lord? Why me, Lord? I am a, I am a descendant of Adam who rebelled against God and I got my nature from Adam and I am a sinner by nature, by choice and by practice and the only bright spot in my life is that I found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Amen. And I look at the longest living human being is Methuselah that we know of. He's recorded in Genesis. He lived 969 years. And yes, those are real years. But I don't believe that. Well, you're an idiot. God says he lived 969 years. And you find no evidence anywhere in the Bible to question that. The only reason somebody would question it, out of a wicked heart of unbelief. Anyway, but you know what? Methuselah lived 969 years. Now that is a long time. And you may rest assured, nary one of us is going to live anywhere near that. Nor would I want to. If I am the shape I'm in at this time, what would I be in 900 more years? <laughs> I don't want to be that. But Methuselah lived 969 years. And then what's it say? He died. I've been a lot of places in this world. Now, any place I've been that there wasn't a graveyard, it's just because they cremate them all. But if they don't cremate them, which that's what we're, we're becoming, a heathen third world country is what we're becoming. But if they don't cremate them, you know what you got to have? You got to have a place to bury them. Anywhere you go. It doesn't matter what color their skin is. It doesn't matter what language they speak. It doesn't matter how much money they've got. You got to have a graveyard. Because we all, it's appointed unto man, wants to die, and after this, the judgment. So ants are realists. And you know what? Not only dying, but you know, ants, they had two seasons. We've got four seasons. But we ought to act like the two seasons. Ants have got winter and summer. Summer is for getting ready for winter. And you kids need to understand this. You got your kids now. But it won't be long. You're not going to be a kid anymore. And you're going to have to get out. And you're going to have to pay your own rent. Buy your own food. Pay for your own gasoline. Buy your own car. Buy your own insurance. Are you getting ready for that? It's going to happen. Or else you're going to be out there with the sign say anything will help. What do you want to do? Do you want to be a provider for you and your family? Or do you want to be a bum? And bum off everybody. 
and that won't last long. Anyway, ants are realists. They don't have four seasons. They've got two. They got summer, and that's for getting ready for winter because they know if they don't get ready for winter, they'll die. Well, you know, we've never been a real big, rich church and all that, but we've, we've survived. We've come along, you know. We've done a lot of things, and we've got things going right now. But are you going to get sick where you can't work anymore? Are you going to get, are you going to die? Are you making provision for this church to go on? If the Lord led you here, this is where he led you to serve him. Amen. And I'll tell you one thing that harms churches like ours is that when people die, they leave every bit of their money to a bunch of heathen kids that do nothing but fight over it and give it to the devil. Am I right or wrong? Very few people have ever remembered this church in their will. You need to do that. And even when you get unable, and as soon as you get unable, and one of your kids, unless they're rare, one of your kids takes over you as your power of attorney, it's over with. I can give you names and places. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I've had people leave the church because they made a lot of money off selling the property and they didn't want to have to tithe it. I can name, name names. I've seen it done through all these years. I really have. But let me tell you what. Paul said, whether it be by life or by death, Christ shall be magnified in my body. And where is it that we do our work for the Lord? Right in his kind of church. Right here. And if this is one the Lord's put you in, that's where we need to make it. And that's where we need not, not give it to somebody else that's going to give it back to the devil. Anyway, ants are realists. Many never learn that winter comes every year. Many never learn that you may get sick and die. They never learn that. Old age and all of that comes. Slack times come. Night falls. Look at Luke 16 real quick. Now I realize there ain't a whole lot of sermons ever sounded like this one. Luke 16. The Lord had just presented the parable of the unjust steward, but he, can, he concludes it with this. Verse 8. The Lord commended the unjust steward because he had done wisely. For the children of this world are in their generation wiser than the children of light. Who are the children of light? God's people. And so the children of world are, they are, they're wiser in their generation than most of them in our situation. He that is, uh, and I say unto you, make to yourselves friends of the mammon of unrighteousness. That when, not if you fail, when you fail, they may receive you into everlasting habitations. No, you can't take it with you, but you sure can send it on ahead. And that's what he's talking about. All right, so, realist. Uh, i give you this. My, I've got Dave and Tony here. They, they know the truth of this. My dear mother didn't have anything. Me and my brother had to help her every month. And I was glad to do it, thankful to do it. 
she wasn't left with anything. But I preached on this one time. It wasn't from this text, but I preached. I might have preached it more than once. She went and got her insurance, man. And she took out a $5,000 life insurance policy. And do you know who the beneficiary was? Richmond Road Baptist Church. I think that's commendable. Tony used to take care of her finances, help her with them. She paid that life insurance policy, sometimes with her grocery money, didn't she? She didn't give it out of the abundance. I think it was more akin to the widow that gave of her living. If it's grocery money, that's what it is. And she died in 1995. That's how many years ago? 27 years ago. And it didn't have to go to any kind of probate, will. That insurance policy came right to this this church and that $5,000 put right in the coffers of Richmond Road Baptist Church. Nobody got any part of that except the Lord's work. And you know what I figured out? After it was all over. That insurance company didn't even pay a dime. It exactly what she paid in on that policy covered that policy. She paid for it out of her money. The insurance company didn't lose a dime on her. Because she paid it on it. She lived that long. I think that's commendable myself. I'm proud of my mother for doing it. And she's one of the few that's ever done anything like that. Anyway. You must understand your personal weakness. And we have it. Well, you know, you're... Young and strong and healthy. Oh, ain't nothing ever going to happen to me. Oh, come on now. Get real. It is going to happen to you. Uh, even though it's true, it's no excuse to quit. We've got to keep going on. Amen. All right. Next. Sanctuary. For missions and the work of the Lord is taught by the conies. Look at verse 26. The conies are but a feeble folk, yet make they their houses in the rocks. Now, like I said, they're little rabbit-like creature, very not, not big as rabbits. And they are feeble folk. When they're strong and healthy, they're feeble folk. They've got no means to protect themselves against predators. But you know what? We are too. And you know what they do? They run to the rocks. And that's what God's people must do. Run to the rock. Upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. We need to have ourselves sheltered in the Lord's church. Don't run away from it. Many people run away from it. 
That's where you get killed. Run to it. The rock, the church, the refuge. Not human inventions. I'm not going to turn to it, but Hosea 10, 13. They said, we have trusted in the multitude of the mighty men. Well, when you do that, you destroy the Lord's work. Check the Southern Baptist Convention and see what their basis for organizing was. If they were going to combine, elicit, and direct the missionary energies of Baptist churches, we're going to be a big organization, and we're going to do it better than the Lord's churches. No, you're not. You may do it, but it ain't going to be better than the Lord's churches because you're going to do it in heresy. And that's exactly what's going on and has been going on. You can't devise a human convention, mission board, association to run in front of the Lord's church. The only institution the Lord ever ordained, including Masons and Odd Fellows and all the rest of them, is the Lord's kind of church, His kind of assembly. So, next we must have the order of missions and the work of the Lord as taught by verse 27. The locusts have no king, yet go they forth all of them by bands. Now we don't like locusts. Neither does farmers like locusts. They didn't like them in Egypt. Ain't nobody likes locusts. Maybe a entomologist, a bug, bug guy or woman. But we don't like locusts. They eat up your plants. They eat up your food. They eat up everything. They destroy it all. But you know what? God tells us to consider them. They have no king. Uh, unlike bees and the queen, locusts have no king. God controls them from within. Is there any similarity here? Yeah. No pastor is king. Some of them think they are. But no pastor is no king. Nor should he attempt to be. One is your master, even Christ, and all ye are brethren. That's been a Baptist doctrine for ever since there's been a Baptist church back in the days of John the Baptist and Jesus Christ. The church needs to do it. We need to be involved. That's why we need to be here for all of our meetings that we, we take care of the Lord's business. Say, well, when do you call a, a business meeting? Never. You know when we take care of the Lord's business? When you come together. That's what the Bible says. We don't call a special time. Well, oh, we got to go by Robert's Rules of Order. If you're a heretic, you do. We don't go by Robert's Rules of Order. We go by the New Testament. Amen. And he said, when you come together, Amen. discipline and everything else, when you come together, and that's the way you do it. When the locusts do their work, when they come together, Amen. who calls them together? The Lord. So you mean the Lord gets them together? Well, uh, yeah. The Lord sent a plague on Egypt. Amen. 
How'd those locusts know to go on Egypt at that time? Because the Lord sent them. That's why. There's the one they were following. Uh, they go forth by bands. And that's the way we go forth. Now, you got to put this there. Nobody likes what the locusts do. Now, they are very successful at what they do. And nobody likes it. And you read our history. Most everybody hates what we do. Why do you think our people have been persecuted and killed, murdered, tortured by Roman Catholics, Lutherans, Episcopalians, Presbyterians? Have you ever heard of the Peace of Augsburg? Anybody ever heard of that? How about the Peace of Westphalia? Never heard of that. All right. Augsburg and Westphalia, those are places in Germany. But now the Peace of Augsburg took place in the 1500s. And that was when they settled the War of the Roses and I don't know how many others. That was when the Lutherans, after Martin Luther, and the Catholics called a peace, a truce. They quit fighting each other. But you know what they all did? They all turned all their attention on the Anabaptists. The Peace of Westphalia, that's in the 1600s after John Calvin. And that's when the Catholics... And the Presbyterians and the Calvinists, they quit battling each other. I mean, they were fighting war. But they called a peace. But you know what they did? They all agreed together to get the Anabaptists. They all went against us. You say, well, the, did the world like what, what those reformers were doing? And they, Well, yeah, they went right along. Yeah, everybody did that. But what they didn't like was what the true Baptists were doing. They didn't like it. Nobody likes what the locusts did. But you know what? The locusts don't say, well, if y'all approve of this, we'll do it. <laughs> they don't do that, do they? And we shouldn't be doing that anyway. They don't regard whether people like it or not. We preach the gospel, and when they're saved, we baptize them scripturally and teach them to observe all things whatsoever God has commanded us. Amen. Now we're going to do the boldness of missions taught by the spider, verse 28. The spider taketh hold with her hands and is in king's palaces. The boldness of the spider's. We see their boldness in the quality of the work and their consistency 
and in their persistence. Now let's compare that with the work that we've got, what God called us to do. So while it's not really important in this world, really, it's just as important in this world as it was when God gave it to us in that world. Hadn't changed one iota. You know out there in that mailbox, I go to it pretty near every day, not every day that the mail runs, try to. But you know what's on that mailbox where that flap is, where you key and all that? There's a spider web. And when I have to get the mail or check to see if the mail's there, I have to destroy that spider web. Well, when I go back the next day, it's right back there. Huh. That spider has done worked her way back and got that spider web back there. Every day. Well, I'm tired. I want to quit. We can't quit. We must be like the spider. First, we must have the quality of the work. Can you believe that that spider web every day looks the same? She spins it back just like it was yesterday. She doesn't get upset. I ain't doing this no more. She spins it. What quality. What fine engineering. And they tell me that a spider web, by these engineers that know such things, for its size and weight, is stronger than most buildings and most bridges. For its size and weight. And you look how the, the crisscrosses that they make. I don't like them. And you know, here now is Halloween garbage. They'll have spider webs and try to make everybody spooky. They're not spooky. What they are, they are examples of what God says we ought to be in the Lord's churches. Well, quality of the work. Consistency of the work. The same every time. <laughs> Seek ye the old paths and walk therein. Contend earnestly for the faith once delivered to the saints. Well, you give us something new. There ain't nothing new. If it's new, it's not true. If it's true, it's not new. This is the same message. And we can't preach any other message. Howbeit, many so-called churches are preaching far different messages. Anyway, one message, one material, and persistency. Mama comes to sweep, and there's a spider web. And she takes her broom and she knocks it down. If she didn't kill that spider, that spider web will be right back there. Doesn't matter. It just doesn't matter. And then we see the audacious boldness of the spider. He's in, she's in king's palaces. I've been in, I've been in hovels back in the interior of Brazil. You think you know what poverty is. You haven't seen poverty till you see it in the country like that. Little people live in those what they call favelas. Some of them live right on a garbage dump in Rio. You don't ever see that with all the tourist pictures. I mean, these people are poor. Oh, I'm poor people. 
No, you're not. If you're eating every day and you got clothes to wear and a place, a place to hang your hat, you ain't poor like they're poor. And you go back to those little villages, and they, some of those people probably never get out of those villages. They're born there and they die there. And they got one little old pond where they get their water. And that's where the donkeys get their water. And that's where the women wash their clothes. And that's where they get their drinking water. Don't tell me how poor you are. I know what poor is. But I'll tell you what. And those little, they don't have doors, they don't have windows. Too hot for it. And that's why you have to go out. When you pull up like on a mud road and there's that little house back there, you don't go to the door and knock because they ain't got no door. You don't, you're not rude to them. You give them their privacy. You stand out and they hear that. And if they want you to come up, they'll tell you. But it's because they haven't got anything. You go in there, in, in there, that little hovel, they might have a, a hedgy. That's a hammock that's hanging from, from a, two, on the corners. But then when it rains, them little old mud huts wash down, and then it all collapses on them and kills them. They don't have furniture. They don't have a chair to sit in. I'm talking about poor people. But you know what I've seen in those hovels? I've seen spider webs. Of course, I was there with missionaries there preaching the gospel. <laughs> but you go, to, you go, Queen of England's dead now. Now you got King England. Go to his quarters. And if, that, if they ain't been doing their job, go look under his throne. See if you can't find a spider web under there. There's that audacious boldness. They don't care whether it's a king's palace or it's a, it's a mud hut hovel. They'll spin their web where they are. And that's what we must do as New Testament Baptists. Uh, no problem witnessing to peasants, but the rich are lost too. They're not self-defeating or self-limiting by their own lack of confidence. And I'm going to give you this last and I'll quit. This is the gossamer lesson. How many know gossamer? Now I think we're already past the time, but for a while you couldn't come from the house to the church over here without getting a spider web on me. Like I'm flying, I'm driving right through it, you know, on this thing. You ever notice that? Sometimes a year you, you, you walk right through them. Well, did you know what that is? When that spider gives birth to its young, as they come out of the womb, a strand of spider web is attached to them. That's called gossamer. Same thing that the mother spider makes the web from. But do you know how long it is? Well, it depends on how much wind is blowing. If there's a lot of wind, it won't be too long. If there's not much wind, it gets real long. Because that little baby spider leaves its mother as soon as it's born... 
And where does it go? It flies away on its little strand of gossamer. Do you know spiders are in every continent on the face of the earth except Antarctica? And that's why it's so cold down there. But every other country, every other continent has loads of spiders. And how do they get there? They ride on the wind, flying on their strand of gossamer. And where do they land? Wherever they land is where they set up shop. I know there was a time that's still not too sparse. Around Lexington, you couldn't move for the Baptist churches. A mission here and a mission here, right next door to each other. Trying to draw each other's members away. It still goes on. Well, won't you go someplace where there's no work? Oh, no, that's too rough. I'm going to try to steal somebody's members. We need to learn the gossamer lesson. Do you know how you, you teach the life of the Apostle Paul? And not many mission boards understand this. and They don't want to hear it. They don't want to understand it. You teach the life of Paul by his missionary journeys, by his travels. These mission boards, they run amok right in front of the church and take the authority away from the church and they tell these missionaries, go so and so and you stay there. If they follow the leadership of the Lord, they won't do that. They'll go where the Lord sends them. And as they get, as the people get saved and they organize a New Testament church, they'll leave and go and start another one and another one. But we haven't been doing that. We need to learn the gospel lesson. Uh, as I said, and all that is about those spiders is to avoid overpopulation. Man, I think there's a lot of lessons learned by these creature teachers. Let's